The Small Business Show, episode 134, for Wednesday, August 30th, 2017. Greetings, folks, and welcome to The Small Business Show here at businessshow.co, the show by, for, and about small business owners here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And in Concord, California, I'm Shannon Jean. Last, my last recording in this uh, building. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, That's exciting. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. I'm yeah. real excited. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. How, was, uh, how are things out there? Oh, things are crazy. It's insane. Yeah. But it's <laughs> it, it, weather wise, we're actually having a really nice, um, it, it's an early fall. I don't know if it'll last. You know, I think we'll get back to some summer heat uh, in September a little bit which typically happens, but it's been, uh, it's been like in the fifties at night. It's, it's been awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I hear, you know, we're coming up on, uh, what, you know, duck season and, uh, anybody that knows me, you know, I'm an avid waterfowl hunter and I spend as much time outdoors as I can get away from the computer. Uh, and I, and I work with ducks unlimited all the time to, uh, raise awareness. We do fundraisers and stuff. And I've really, I've had the pleasure to meet a lot of people, uh, and, uh, a couple of folks that I've met, uh, Doug and Corey from Tangle Free Waterfowl. And, uh, they're joining us today for an interview. And, you know, these guys have taken a company with literally a classic brand of decoy line, Tangle Free line, which, believe me, is critically important when you're out there in the marsh and, uh, and pulling in your decoys. And they've expanded into all kinds of new products to serve waterfowl hunters, outdoors enthusiasts. So Corey and Doug, welcome to the Small Business Show. And uh, we're sharing a mic here today, folks, so it'll be a little back and forth, but uh, these guys are awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us, guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, Absolutely. glad to be here. Thank you. Awesome. That's great. So, hey, um, you know, I, I know about your company and a little bit about your background. Um, we've talked a lot at different events. and But tell, tell our listeners um, about your backgrounds. What did you guys do before Tangle Free and why did you want to get into, uh, you know, this business? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it first. So this is Corey. Um, basically, the way we came up on the business was kind of pretty random, but... Uh, the way it, the way it started is, um, I was, I was doing some work in the health and nutrition industry. Um, you know, my sister was doing work in the auto body industry, running an office. And my parents came to us one day and just said, Hey, like, w- let's, let's try to do a business that we can do as a family. So, uh, we started meeting a couple times a month with my parents and our CPA and just kind of started throwing a lot of stuff to the wall. And, um, Long story really short, like we stumbled across our one of our CPA's clients had a company that was uh, in the outdoor garden furniture, pruning shears, and they had a factory overseas that uh, had some blow molding capabilities, and they kind of dove into uh, doing some plastic decoys. So um, we uh, we went to them to see if they had any interest in sure. and they said no. Um, <laughs> my dad's very persistent. Um, <laughs> Uh, we went back to them again and they said, okay, fine, fine. We'll meet. So um, once they met and saw that we're a local family, um, it was going to remain family based. Um, they were fantastic. And that company is bond manufacturing. They're, mm-hmm. they're located on the Antioch and they're a family based company as well. So um, that was 13 years ago. Did you buy the the whole company or a, divi- a part of the company? Sorry. So that's okay. Purchase the decoy division. Got it. Okay, um, cool. And you know, it was a great time for them to get out because they clearly had bigger fish to fry, so to speak, with the outdoor patio furniture. Mm. Um, they've really extended their their line as well. Um, so then a month after we purchased uh, Bond's decoy division, we found that Tangle Free, which was owned by Dan Kiernan, 
um, in Martinez, California. Um, he just was looking to get out and that was like a blessing in disguise. It was incredible. Uh, we became very good friends with Dan. Um, we, we purchased Tango Free and then we rolled mm. everything from the Bond name into the Tango Free name because it was an established name. It had been around since 1972. Yeah. Uh, it had, uh, you know, a PVC type uh, decoy line and a lead anchor. Um, and that's what Tango Free was. That was all they sold, right? That was all they sold. Yeah. And then when we, the month prior when we bought Bond, they had about uh, 15 to 20 SKUs of mm. basically recycled plastic, blow molded, um, and they just kind of jumped in the market and just kind of made a splash really on price. It was I really see. about price for them. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how. And, and did you and, you and Doug work together, Doug, from the start on, on the project? Or did you come on at a certain time? Or Yeah, so I came on later. So I've okay. been with the company for about seven years now. Okay. So prior to that, um, about the same time, um, you know, Corey and his family were taking over Tangle Free in the Bond Decoy Division. Um, I had started my own business with another partner doing uh, call center sales yeah. and customer service. And uh, we built up a couple of clients and uh, had a um, pretty long five to seven year uh, business history. And mm-hmm. the economy kind of tanked in 2008 and my business started to suffer. And so mm-hmm. I was looking for a way out. Sure. And, um, Timing just happened to work out perfect. Uh, you know, Tango Free was starting to grow and expand, and they needed some extra support. And so it was the perfect timing for me to shut down what I was doing and uh, jump on board with Tango Free. Awesome. Sounds like you stepped in to fix all the mistakes that Corey had made. Up to that, the first six, seven years. No, that's great. That's cool. So y- y- you guys get going, everything. You know, what, what surprised you the most about? Uh, I mean, because not only are you taking over one business, but you're really, you know, you're combining two. You know, which is doubly difficult, I would imagine. What, what kind of stuff surprised you the most when you did that? Um, yeah, actually I'm going to back up just, okay. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, I'm going to laugh about, so, so Doug's, Doug's my younger cousin. Um, we've been close from since time we were kids. So, um, we worked together in the health and nutrition industry and it's actually really funny. I can remember one evening he was at our warehouse, uh, like literally two months into the, to the business. And, uh, we were putting up some racking. We were, and, uh, I was talking and I said, Hey man, like how's work going? And, He's like, you know, it's okay. And I said, well, look, man, if you, if you want to come, we'd love to have you. Like, obviously we work together. Um, that night he called me and it's like, Hey, like, I think I'm going to go into this business. I said, Hey, awesome. Good for you. I was excited. Really? Doug and I often joke about it because had he come on board that much earlier, like I think our company, actually, I know our company would have, uh, been way further along but everything happens for a reason yeah sure um doug and i talk about that too like he went and learned what he learned i learned what i learned and now we uh we use that to our advantage yeah so that's a great story yeah it's cool it's really good um so to answer the question if i got it right is how did we merge the two companies well just what what what, you know uh, i'm sure you you take over this you know bond the the deco division you get with tangle free and and you kind of have set perceptions on how things are going to work you know what 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 surprised you the most when you try to get these two things off the ground you know that maybe uh you remember um yeah i think I mean, probably the hardest thing I, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, I think yeah. is, is, is trying to build a brand. Yeah. Um, you quickly realize, and 13 years ago, building a brand is way different than building a brand today. How um, so? Yeah. Digital market. Yeah. You okay. know, social media. I mean, that's, that's, that's huge, you know? So, um, you know, 
Yeah, really, it was just about trying to build the brand. Sure. So, and um, when you say that, you think? Do you think it was more difficult back then to build the brand, or now with all the tools you have? But at the same time, you got to get your your you know, making yourself heard amidst all the stuff out there. What's 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 harder? You know, it's funny. I've never really thought about it that way. I would think if I knew now today about product and what the industry was looking for, I would think if if we had a much higher quality of product back then, I think it would have been easier. I think there's a lot more competition today that we deal with. And I also think that um, the quality of plastic blow molded decoys being painted overseas is tremendous. It's, it's not even in the same ballpark from where it was 13 years ago. Tremendously better. Tremendously better. Absolutely. Huh. Interesting. So in terms of building your brand, though, would you say that it's the perhaps the lower barrier to entry now, whereas previously uh, you had to do a lot of hard work to even get to a point where someone could notice your brand. Whereas now, you know, you start a Facebook page, you start a Twitter account. All right, well, here we are, you know, and, and that means that your competition can do the same thing too easily. Yeah, without a doubt, Dave, it's now with, uh, you know, the social media side of things, you know, people are wanting to connect with brands on a whole different level nowadays than they were, you know, a decade ago. People want to, you know, be part of the lifestyle that you're representing with your brand. And so, you know, we're able to make that happen with social media and uh, and it's been super exciting. So we went through a rebrand uh, of our logo about five or six years ago. And uh, it costs a tremendous amount of money to contract someone to go through that process. But, you know, what we got out of it is really invaluable. It's really helped catapult our brand. Um, the, you know, the strategy that we put forth with our rebranding campaign and social media has really, you know, catapulted us to the next level. Yeah, that's, that's and fascinating. Yeah. And you did, you did the logo, you did your website, you did the whole thing, right? The messaging. Everything's got to be updated. It sounds to me like your uh, brand engagement is, is a huge part of not just your overall business, but your, even your daily business. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we, you know, really focus on you know, very quality content that we're providing to keep our customers engaged. And, you know, you have to think about, you know, touching that, that consumer, you know, throughout the year, not just when it's time for them to buy. And so we want them to connect with our brand throughout the year. And then when it comes down to when they need something in the waterfowl category, that hopefully they think about our brand when it's time to make a purchase. Yep. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think you guys do a good job of it. Um, uh, when, uh, when you were started, okay, so you're doing social media stuff. What what other kind of marketing are you doing to get, are you guys are, uh, you sell to, to stores, dealers? How, how do people find your stuff and, and, you know, learn about it? Yeah, you bet. So uh, we do sell to, uh, we're a wholesale account that sells to, uh, you know, your big box stores like okay. Bellas, Bass Pro Shops, Sportsman's Warehouse, you know. So we're in some of the big guys. Um, we're also in a lot of mom and pop stores, uh, small independent dealers. Um, but, you know, the Who's the better customer? Um, <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's different pros and cons to each one, but yeah, uh, you, you, know. you have a better relationship with the small guys yeah, and yeah. it means more to them. Uh, yeah, and you know, you're, you're just an avenue for, um, a, something on the shelf for the big box guys. And, yeah. and they're usually on to the next greatest thing. If your products aren't uh, performing 
or whatnot. So, but ultimately, you know, our strategy moving forward is to make sure that we're connecting with the individuals because ultimately yeah. the individuals are the ones going to the stores, whether it's a big box, whether it's a small independent mm-hmm. uh, or our website. And, you know, they're choosing to connect with our brand for a reason. And so it's really connecting with those individuals. Yeah. And, and I think there's two really good points that you guys do a good job of talking about. One is focusing on the quality early on, because I've been in that same position where you, you want to come out and make an impact and your price is easier, right? To, to focus on that. But in the long run, it becomes maybe more difficult. And then the second thing is that, uh, you know, you're probably a more important partner to a smaller account where maybe everybody's chasing these bigger guys uh, that, you know, have a completely different pricing model. And so the, maybe the values there and the, you know, smaller, you know, smaller dealers, that kind of thing. Yeah. And along those lines, the independent dealers, typically you're dealing with uh, an owner of a store. So you can build that relationship like we talked about. And you know that every year when you meet with him, it's going to be him. Yeah. Um, you know, with a big box, unfortunately, they do go through changes and they do that uh, strategically, there's reasons for that. And, uh, it's hard. It's a roller coaster. One, two years, one or two years, you have a great relationship with the buyer. Things are great. And all of a sudden you get the email that says, Hey, we've changed someone so the buyer. And you're like, Oh man, we got to start from ground zero. And, yeah. Yeah. and ground zero means you don't know if that buyer already has prior relationships with competitors. Sure. Yep. And, um, and you know, that's difficult. And, uh, you know, when you're, when I was, first doing that at the early stage of the business, like I'd get rattled. Um, and you have to really realize like, Hey, just that's just the way it's going to be like yearly, like things are going to change. And, um, you know, you talk about big box versus independent dealers. Well, um, Doug touched on a little bit, but, but really it's, um, uh, who comes in with the best price? Who's got the, the, the most aggressive terms? Um, you could be a rock star with them one year and you Mm -hmm. think everything's great. And the next year you're like, you feel like, uh, you know, the stepchild, you know, just, yeah, just sure. get it, just yeah. get a meeting. So you've yeah. learned to just, 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 uh, just roll with it. You know, yeah. I find I, I, we, we deal with something similar to that in one of our businesses here. And I always have, or I, we have learned that when a new buyer comes in, it's almost worth forcing them to redefine the deal that you have so that they feel like they have ownership on it over it as opposed to, Oh, this is this deal I inherited from this other guy and it's easier for them. There's no emotional attachment to, to it at that point. So totally agree. Like I was nodding my head here, all kind of smiling and laughing, but you're a hundred percent right. I, we agree, Dave. Yeah. And it seems crazy to like take an existing contract that doesn't need to be renegotiated yet and force it to be, but Often it pays dividends. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. And you kind of have to like mark, I would imagine market to those guys as well. So in addition yeah. to you trying to connect with the, you know, the, end, the ultimate end user, you're connecting with these other guys and then you have buyers come in and you've got to kind of get them on board with your story and why they should go with you, that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's a challenge, man, I imagine. Yeah, for sure. So, what, uh, you know, as we increase the awareness of our brand, that just makes us that more of a, you know, important partner for sure. the the. Re- retailers out there. Yeah. Yeah. They're hearing their customers ask for it. That kind of thing. I would imagine. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So we asked this, uh, this question of everybody that comes on the show and it's probably because I've made so many mistakes in my life that I always want to know about yours. So, uh, you know, what's, you know, we're fans of mistakes cause you learn so much, uh, when, when they happen and it's usually maybe later down the road and you look back, but what do you think the best mistake you've made with uh, Tango Free that taught you the most? 
uh, well, I don't know if it's a specific mistake, but it's uh, it's more of a mindset for mm. me. You know, uh, for me, it's not thinking ahead far enough, you know, being more in, you know, what do we need to do to make this business successful today versus how sure. we be successful in three to five years from now. And so, you know, really trying to be ahead of the curve and think more about the future um, is a mistake that I made early on. And I feel like now we're putting plans in place to be, you know, thinking further three to five years out and how we're going to get there and having more of a plan in that regard. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's like that. I always talk about this e-myth, you know, but about working on your business versus in it every day. And I, I mean, I've made that same mistake. Yeah. And we had that discussion the other, a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks back. Um, you know, for me, um, and I agree with Doug, um, I'm going to go back from day one, um, you know, we're going through the acquisition, we're purchasing it. Like I've got spreadsheets that say, Hey, this specific SKU costs $10 and this SKU costs $12. Well, in a two month period, I got so programmed into what decoys cost, um, and what we were going to wholesale them for and what they'd retail for. Um, we went to a trip to China and, uh, part of the purchase agreement was uh, bond manufacturing would go on two trips to China with us okay. to help us make the introductions. Sure. And, uh, and it, it was incredible. They were, they were, they were fantastic. Uh, so we go to our current decoy supplier at that time and you see the product, you see everything. That's my first time ever being in a factory like that overseas. And it's pretty amazing. And I don't think anything of it. And what I mean by that is the quality. You just think, sure. okay, cool, here's a $10. Here's a decoy. A dozen. Yeah, this yeah. Is what it's supposed to be. So they say, hey, we got this other meeting set up with this gentleman, and his pricing is the same, and his quality is way better. So we go there to, you know, two days later, and you walk in, and I'm instantly like, this stuff looks incredible. And I'm like, I'm just like, just so excited, like, wow, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I'm as green as can be. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so all of a sudden, this $10 dozen decoys is like 13 And I like freak out. Like not freak out like to him, but freak out like we can't do that. That's way too expensive. Right. Like we have a $10 dozen decoy. Um, we talk about mistakes. Um, and basically, the mistake is had I known now, which is waterfowlers want quantity or quality. Quality, quality. yeah. They're yeah. willing to pay for that. Um, the sooner I could have switched from the price point, uh, you pay for what you get. Um, and I know, you know, prior lunch meetings we've had, like we talked about that. It's like, so if you kind of want a a price point decoy, that's going to last a year and it's going to get beat up and fade and paint's going to come off, you're, you're going to get that. If you're willing to step up and pay a little bit more, like with quality. So I look back and I think to myself, man, like, what if we made that change right mm. out of the gate? Like, how much stronger would yeah, our brand thirty percent increase in oh, cost? It been, yeah, it would have been yeah. a piece of cake, and yeah. it's a mistake, but you learn from yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, it's valuable. We don't we don't make those mistakes like that again. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's cool. So, uh, you know, looking at things, you know, we all as business owners, you know, cash is king and this profit and that kind of stuff. But it, we all have these kind of different measurements, and you guys and I, we've talked about this before, but you know. Beyond cash and that kind of thing, what do you, how do you guys measure success, you know, with your business and how it relates to everything? Yeah. So I'll take it first. Then I'll let Doug, Doug give his answer. Um, you know, it's, it sounds really kind of stupid, but it's, it's kind of whatever's in my head. But for me, when we went through the rebranding, um, like Doug said, it was a substantial investment and it was the right decision at that time. And works, we're, we're very yeah. excited about that. Um, 
what what what's exciting for me is to see the end consumer waterfowlers across the country wanting to be affiliated, wanting to wave the tango free flag. They want to buy a hoodie. They want to buy a t-shirt. They want to have decals on their trucks. And, and then when they post it on social media, like we're not asking them to do that, but like they'll send like pictures of them opening a box of decoys or like them with their family wearing our, uh, our logo gear. So for me, I'm like, okay, Hey, like we're doing something right because people are saying, Hey, this is a brand that like I stand behind. I like it. And and along those lines, too, I think a lot of that has to deal with how we relate uh, and treat these customers. I mean, we truly care about the customers. We want to make sure they know we're there to back them. So I think they see that. I think they like the product, but I also think they know, like, hey, if there's an issue, like, I can call these guys up, I can email them, it'll be taken care of. And I think Doug's got a, a yeah. little different spin on it. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's authentic, right? I mean, I think it's it's the truth, and it's great. Yeah, no, it's really kind of really along the same lines. Um, you know, people supporting our brands and us to be able to, you know, we get contacted uh, quite frequently from, you know, nonprofit organizations, Wounded Warriors, different programs like that. We work very closely with Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, California Waterfowl Association. So, you know, to be able to, you know, give back to those um, organizations that are the, you know, a lot of them help uh, support the future of the duck hunting community sure. and making sure that wetlands are being conserved and for the next generation coming up. And so, you know, being able to, um, you know, give back to some of those organizations is, is very rewarding, uh, yeah. you know, aside from the whole monetary thing. Yeah, sure. No, it's yeah. awesome. I think that's great. And, and sorry, the other that's thing great. is, uh, <laughs> think if I'm going to get this right. So we talked about judging success, right? Yeah. Um, Doug, myself, my sister, um, you know, we, we kind of like to look at it as like, um, we feel that our best years are ahead of us. Um, uh, we're super excited about where we're at today. Um, I think one thing Doug and I have really tried to work on with my sisters is like, like he mentioned earlier, is like three to five years out. Like yeah. where do we want to be in three to five years? Um, I think for a lot of years, our, we kind of got, our head got stuck, you know, below the sand, like just, just trying to keep, keep up with the grinding it out, right? Grinding it out. Yeah. Like we've talked about that too. And we're really going like, okay, where do we want to be in three to five years? Like how can we, how can we differentiate our product line? How can we expand our product line? So, um, we certainly are very competitive people and we look at like, um, our best years are ahead of us for yeah. sure. No, that's great. It's definitely, I think the attitude you need to have, why wouldn't you? <laughs> what, we hope so. What's the alternative, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's not good. So, so, okay. So what's, what do you guys think is the biggest obstacle to getting to that three to five year point where you want to be? What, what's holding you back the most and, and what's your plan to blow power through that? Yeah. So, um, I'm not sure if there's anything that is necessarily holding us back. You know, at this point, uh, we've been doing this long enough. So, um, we have the ability to get to the levels that we need to. And so we've been strategically putting things in place, um, you know, adding additional, um, employees and, uh, just making sure that we're just more prepared when it comes to it. So Great. if there's any obstacles, it's, it's in our own head. And so, good answer. Um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I guess that answers it. That's good. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's awesome. So, and, and I know you guys have spent a lot of time overseas in China and, you know, setting up manufacturing and this kind of thing. Um, what, what tip, uh, you know, 
what what a bit of advice could you give a, you know a new business owner that's okay great I, I need to go to China I've got to make these connections and get this product built you know what were some of the key takeaways that you've learned doing this for the last thirteen years Yeah um, so typically um, I do most of the travel traveling uh, overseas of the factories and Doug. Um, kind of stays at home and r- runs like, you know, runs things with my sister, mm-hmm. um, you know, run overseas the warehouse amongst many things. So, um, it actually works out really well also because when I'm over there meeting with the factories, um, it, I'm, I'm going to say daily, um, I'm Skyping, having conversations with Doug, uh, doing, uh, you know, video FaceTiming so we could see what's going on, uh, about a product improvement or a product flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There is no question uh, the importance uh, of of finding the right factories. Um, and what I say by that is, you know, I, I kind of talk about the inexpensive price point decoys. Um, that was a bad partnership. Uh, really, truthfully, the guy was really unfair and he, he always would try to... Uh, say one thing and then like uh, back out of the deal and like yeah. put less material in. So, so the biggest thing I found uh, in going over there, I think I've probably been over there j- just about 30, 35 times the last time. I don't know the exact number, but wow. the key is to find a factory that you can build a relationship with. Like, um, you know, we have a couple factories now. The, the one gentleman comes to visit us twice a year now. Nice. Um, and, you know, when I go to visit him, like I, he'll, he will make sure to ask me like, Hey, are you up to going to my house? I'll say, absolutely. I'll go to his house. I'll play with his three boys. Yeah. Um, I walk in, they're calling me uncle Corey. That's great. Um, I, and truly the way we look at it is we've become friends. It's a partnership and we want long-term relationships. And, you know, too many times, um, you know, talking about advice too, too many times, uh, companies from the u.s go there and they want to like beat up on a factory and like try to nickel and dime with everything but you have to realize like if you beat them up too much that's what's going to make them like put less plastic in your product or they're not put the correct amount of paint because you're beating them up so bad like uh my dad taught me long ago um he's been in construction here in the in the bay area the east bay here for over 40 years and it's you know he told me um Hey man, like a good business relationship are the longest long-term ones. Like both parties have to make money. Like, um, and that really stuck with me. And the reason that stuck with me is because prior to us being in this business, we're in the health and nutrition business and constantly like just beating up people on, on everything. And it's, it's not healthy. And you want that factory to like, if something's, you know, you got to get a shipment out and like, you want them to like definitely want to bust their butt to get an order out on time because a your friends b they're getting paid the fair wages like uh and you're not beating them up on sure. stuff so yeah. Um, well, yeah you can't look at it as a zero sum game right it 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 has to be that there's there's that both both sides can win yeah absolutely yeah, i mean true. you know look we have been with a couple of our factories now for about seven years and it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it has challenges. Don't get me wrong. I mean, sure. uh, negotiations are always uh, very difficult. They're very long, but you know, we have these relationships now where they're not as long and they're not as tough. Yeah. And, um, and it's like I said, uh, uh, one of our other factories, he just came out with his wife and daughter. We hung out with them for two days and uh, they were very excited about that. And once again, um, it's all about building relationships. Um, I think Doug's going to talk a little bit more about um, how how his relationship is with with China, where where mine was kind of being on the 
being on the ground over there with the factory. So, yeah. Yeah. And just to add on to some of the things that Corey's talking about from a different perspective is, um, you know, communication, communication almost happens daily, um, with your factories, 365 days a year, you know, our business is seasonal, but there's almost not a day that goes by that we're not having some sort of communication with them. And so being very clear and precise with your communication, um, being very persistent, uh, with some of the things that you're looking for. Um, and, uh, also, you know, put the proper quality control measures in place. You know, we, we pay for an inspection on every shipment before it leaves um, to make sure that it's up to our standards. And if it's not, we have the opportunity to reject it prior to it shipping. You pay a third party to go do that? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I'm sure it's, yeah. Have you always done that? Uh, no, it's yeah, probably been about, cool. uh, it's probably five, six years that we've had that yeah. in place and it's that's the best great. thing we've ever done. Yeah. It holds everyone accountable. Yeah. Wow. No, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I think that relationship and, and the, the critical part, and to your point, you can get up any price point you want, but your product is going to reflect that. And, yeah. and uh, you know, for sure, so that's cool. Yep, absolutely. No, that's and, great. And, you know, we we talk a lot about using the, the phrase or the term partnership because it really is. So mm-hmm. they do all the manufacturing you know, we come to them with a new product, they do all the manufacturing, then we do all the marketing. So, you know, we explain to them, like, if, if they're ever asking, like, well, hey, how do we do more business? And I said, listen, if you have to continue to improve quality control, like, like we can't have scratch decoys or you can't right. have a, this miss this stitch in a bag. I said, because a lot of times you get one opportunity for a, a customer to make a purchase sure. and yep. um, fair or not fair. The waterfowl industry has tended to be pretty picky um, and that is what it is. And we know what that's, you know, consumers are, if that's the way they want to judge it, we have to step up our game to make sure that we give them the best product possible. So, so whenever they're always pushing us for more business, we say, Hey, you keep the, you know, keep, keep improving, keep, keep catching the, you know, mistakes. That way we give the, the end customer, um, a great, a great feel yeah. to making that purchase, you know, that's great advice. I think it's cool. Yeah. Well, Reward you, quality control. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. You guys are a great story. And, uh, you know, what, what's the best way for people to learn more about Tangle Free? Yeah. So, uh, we talked about, uh, you know, digital advertising and being able to connect with people online. So you can follow us, uh, on our social media channels. It's at tangle free waterfowl, uh, with Facebook and Instagram. Um, or you can go to our website at tanglefree.com. Um, we, those are the easiest ways to do it. Uh, we also are in several publications, wildfowl, American waterfowl or Delta waterfowl. So you can see us there, but online is the best way to connect. That's with great. Us. Well, you know, you guys will have to come back because we want to hear, you know, this three to five year uh, uh, things, how things are going. We'll hold you accountable. <laughs> Thanks awesome. very much for hanging out with us today. It's a Thank great story. So much, guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah great yeah, stuff. Very much. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Check them out at TangleFree.com and at TangleFree online. And uh, keep living that charm life, folks. We'll see you next week. Take it easy.